Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, Timeless Wisdom to Enrich Every Day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Living Wisely, Living Well, August 20th. An excellent way to rise above physical pain is to divert your mind to something else. I've found, for example, when sitting in a dentist chair, I haven't taken Novocaine in years, that mentally composing music or working out some passage in a book I was writing helped greatly. The dentist's activities then became hardly noticeable, though often I've heard afterward that the dentist himself was perspiring with sympathetic pain. This was one of the, the weird challenges Swamiji would always put before us, and he did it for years. It, he, he never took Novocaine um, when he went to the dentist, and he, he doesn't add here, but when he was a child, he had colitis, and they took him off calcium, all milk products. And as a result, his teeth did not develop well. And to make it worse, he was living in Romania, Um, He was born in 1926, and for the first 13 years of his life during those years, um, the dental care in Romania was not uh, very advanced, and they really, they didn't have uh, Novocaine, so when they had to fill a a filling, they just had to drill, and then they would have to fill it. And as a child, he didn't have these techniques, and so oftentimes the dentist would just drill for a while, and then when the child was screaming too loud, he would stop, so he had fillings put in over um, decay, and as a consequence, he had just a lot of trouble with his teeth. So when he would go to the dentist, it wasn't just to have his teeth cleaned. He would go for many different things, and some of them quite involved procedures, and it was his practice not to take Novocaine. Swamiji felt that the purpose of his life was to expand his consciousness, not to dull it. So he didn't do it. He also did it, I think, for many reasons. One was simply tapasya, which is a deliberate practice of endurance in order to build spiritual strength. And even on a subtle level, you undertake penance and it gives you power to be able to accomplish things that you want to accomplish. A third reason, I think, another reason I think he did it is because he he wanted to set an example for us of what was possible. And I want you to take what I'm about to say in the right way, but Master said in terms of raising children, Basically, he said, don't always satisfy your children's desires. And, he, and he, was not, he was not suggesting child abuse, but he went so far as to say, don't always feed them right away when they're hungry. Don't always bring them a sweater immediately when they say they're cold. Understand it in the right way. Encourage them to be strong. Encourage them to feel that I can endure a little bit. I don't have to, every time I have an impulse that makes me slightly uncomfortable, I don't have to rush to make it comfortable, and parents can set a good example for their children, both by the way they behave and by the way they teach their children to help them to be a little stronger. There's a family I know of daughters, five daughters in the family, and as it happens, uh, especially the father, he's a very hardy outdoorsman, and um, they go snow camping, winter camping. Um, The father and one of the older daughters went on a uh, above-the-Arctic circle outdoor camping adventure, you know, just to me it's like 
it was it was a, a planned outing, and they had actually tents. They actually had heated tents and cooks and so on. So it wasn't really like trying to survive in the wilderness. But they thought that kind of thing was fun. And one of the the oldest daughter told me that for a time they lived at they lived at Ananda village for a very long time. But before they had actually built a beautiful home, comfortable home for themselves, which was still simple. It was a simple home, but it was just spacious because there were so many of them. Um, that uh, they used to, children used to, they had a small house and the children used to sleep outside in a tent, a big camping tent. They slept, slept that way winter and summer for years. And she told me how, as children, they would line up and their mother would give each one of them a hot water bottle and then they would just walk outside into the tent and, you know, crawl into their down sleeping bags. But it just became part of the way that they lived, that they could be a little bit hardy. I mean, this is just a very powerful personal practice. It gives the person the idea that I can face into things and I can do it. You know, most of the suffering in life, I mean, much of suffering in life, is just the idea that this is too hard or the habit of thinking that I'm delicate rather than, I'm, than that I'm sturdy. Self-mastery goes a long way. And in our particular comfortable society, unless your family is impoverished, which of course some are, um, we don't have that many opportunities for self for training ourselves unless we take them on on purpose. And everybody, I believe, or almost everybody, has a fear of physical pain. And Swamiji constantly reminding us, which he did on a sort of regular basis, not bragging, but the fact that he had to go to the dentist often, we would always know that he did it without Novocaine, even having a tooth extracted. I mean, things that, I, I even still, I can't think of it without shuddering. Now, one thing he was also demonstrating was his extraordinary powers of concentration. And he um, often said to us that the secret of his prodigious creativity across so many fields was the ability for him to concentrate on one thing and simply to exclude everything else from his reality. So he's talking about when he's having his mouth um, operated on by the dentist, that he would just take his mind away from his physical body and put it on the creative work he was doing so that the physical reality would become just sort of a background. So he's also talking about an extraordinarily highly developed level of concentration which is how everything weaves in together and every aspect of life can become a training ground for our consciousness. I, I'm, I'm very guilty of multitasking, which is something Swamiji thought was, was a terrible idea because our minds are always divided and nothing has our whole attention and we become unable to really focus our attention. And I've been trying in my life, specifically even lately, just really to finish what I'm doing before I go on to the next thing and only think about, only live in the now. Don't live in what you've done and what you're going to do. See, everything again, in the simplest ways these practices develop. But going back to the specific fear of pain, in our society, for most people, thank you God, we're not dealing with pain all the time. Of course, some people have a karma where it's just part of their life. So Swamiji was deliberately pointing out when there are opportunities for us to practice a little um, tapasya, a little deliberate austerity, that we should not shy away from it. Now, I myself, have I'm incapable in terms of the dentist. Fortunately, I don't go often, but I tried it once. 
And it was just out of the question for me. There was no, let's see, I, I think I didn't even try. I tried like an alternate form of distraction, like they would play some sound in your ear. But I just, it just was more than I can do. However, I've taken the lesson and made it a practice that whenever a pain comes to me, something falls on your foot, you stub your toe, you cut yourself, you get bitten by an insect, your, your back hurts you, um, sometimes a muscle cramp. A muscle cramp is actually a really good one for this kind of practice because they tend to come on suddenly and they're very, it's a very intense pain. And I'm not prone to any of these things. I have a very strong body as a rule. But there was a period of time where for some reason I was having muscle cramps, dehydration or some kind of issue, I don't know. But it was, it was a marvelous exercise. And Swami doesn't finish in this particular comment, but at other times he said, but if the pain is, is too strong and I can't distract myself from it, I concentrate on the pain itself. And I sit in the pain and try to um, perceive that whether I call it pleasant or unpleasant, what makes it a pain is the way my mind interpret it, interprets it. Otherwise, it's only a sensation. And that you just sit in the middle of it and just try to um, dissipate the concept of pain. I've, again, I have to, you know, full disclosure, I've never had to try this in something that was more than passing. But I've, I've tried to train myself not to cry out when there's a sudden pain, not to be startled, not to have everything in me panic, but just try to sit there and experience it and see how calmly and deeply I can experience it. One of Swami's silly phrases is, um, it doesn't matter, a little pain never hurt anyone. But I often think of that, a little pain never hurt anyone. These physical bodies are so vulnerable. And even if we're not always consciously thinking of it, there's this subconscious tape that plays, which is the avoidance of pain, is a very real and, you know, it's a profound controlling force in our lives. And if we're really going to be free in God, we have to be afraid of nothing. Just as simple as that. The, the Master's interpretation of the crucifixion of Christ is exceedingly different than the traditional Christian one. <coughs> the traditional Christian one talks about how much he suffered. Now, there's no question that there was pain involved. But the question of how much he suffered is quite something else. And Master himself talked about that an avatar, a, a spiritual being at the level of Christ, was easily capable of completely det detaching his attention from the physical body. Yogananda himself showed in his own life that he could either be aware of the physical body or be detached from it. He gave an example. <coughs> he gave a demonstration. Once he, they, were, they were installing this concrete wishing well on the grounds of their headquarters at Mount Washington. And Master was near it, and somehow it slipped, and this very heavy thing fell on his foot and hurt his foot very badly. And in front of everyone, Master said, let me show you. And Master allowed his consciousness, he said, I'm allowing my consciousness to be in my physical body. And then as soon as he did, he couldn't, he couldn't stand on his foot, and his face was distorted with pain. He said, now I'm lifting my consciousness above my physical body. 
and his face became completely relaxed, and he just walked on his foot as if nothing had happened. I mean, an amazing demonstration, and showing us what is possible, that which I do, ye shall do, and greater things. This is what Jesus said to his disciples. So Master said, certainly there was a a heroic sacrifice on the part of Jesus, sacrifice, heroic self-offering on the part of Jesus, because a master can take onto his body the karma of his disciples. So Jesus gave up his body in that extraordinarily dramatic way, drawing the negative karma of his disciples through his own body, resolving it in his life. Thus thus the teaching, Jesus died for our sins, that we attain salvation by his sacrifice. Now Master explains that the sacrifice of the physical body is something that can only happen once for the benefit of the disciples who were there. The, The taking on of the karma doesn't require a physical body. So the teaching remains, but the nuances of it are different. This is a bit complicated for the time I have, but that's sufficient. But this example, this straight example, and this challenge that Swami represents to us <coughs> of accepting calmly and courageously something that the, that the mind would otherwise shrink from is a powerful practice that we should not shrink from because we never know. We never know when life will demand of something, us, something of us and we don't want to be unprepared. And, and the other side of it is, we don't know what subconscious fears we're carrying. And those fears mold our behavior and our attitudes, even if we don't know about them. So the more aggressively we can face into every possible fear that we have, within reason, within keeping of the reality of our strength, I can't go to the dentist without Novocaine. But I have learned to remain quite calm when I get a a cramp. And I have not completely, but I have advanced greatly in not reacting with shock and fear when a sudden unexpected pain comes to me. I have not been severely tested, so I'm not presumptuous about what I've accomplished. But I'm practicing when it's easier, which is a very important spiritual teaching. Practice all the time when it's easier and gradually when the big challenges come, at least you'll have made a mental groove and know in which direction to go for freedom and success. Swamiji says, an excellent way to rise above physical pain is to divert your mind to something else. I found, for example, when sitting in a dentist's chair, I haven't taken Novocaine in years, that mentally composing music or working out some passage in a book I was writing helped greatly. The dentist's activities then became hardly noticeable, though I've heard afterwards often that the dentist himself was perspiring with sympathetic pain. God bless you, my friends. Our work is made possible by inspired listeners, so if you feel to support Asha, you can make a one-time donation, or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.